0: Good morning. Hey, gosh, man, I was thinking this is going to be a rough Sunday. Oh, usually, as of today, it was my fault. I apologize. You guys saw my lips move, and I wasn't talking. And still, none of you guys said anything. Cool. I see where we stand. Um, okay, so now I'm going to start over, just for that. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Hey, we're going to continue going through the Book of Acts. Uh, I'll catch you guys up to speed. Uh, Last week, or two weeks ago, we talked about being a witness and that we are empowered by the the Holy Spirit. You can put that verse back up there because we're going to say that one again in Acts 1.8. It says, you'll receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? So as witnesses, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And last week, oh man, this feels so much better, and last week... Right? We talked about how God uses a community of believers, how he uses the church to be his witness to a divided world. And if we go into uh, Acts chapter 2, it says, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day to uh, those who were being saved. I firmly believe that a church united by Jesus will be used by Jesus. Right when we seek Jesus, we want to be like Jesus. When the church says, "Hey, we are the bride of Christ," and we unite behind that, God honors that, and God will reach our community. And so, last week we left off just after Pentecost, just after the filling of the Holy Spirit came. And the message of the resurrection and the message of Jesus Christ was being spread all over Jerusalem at a rapid pace. It was going everywhere. This community of witnesses, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And as the church, as true believers in Jesus, they continued to meet for prayer. They continued to gather for teaching. They cared for one one another. And they shared the good news of Jesus with everybody. And as people were coming to know Jesus as their Savior, and they were finding freedom in the grace that comes with knowing Jesus, the religious leaders, ironically, the religious leaders are the ones that became upset. They're the ones that they're, they were losing influence. Their power was threatened. They were starting to lose control. Church, this is really, really important. I need you to listen to this, that as a church committed to the Word of God, my number one priority for you is for you to follow Jesus. That is who we must look to. Every true disciple maker, their goal for whoever they are discipling is for Jesus to become more and for them to become less. Right? As a true disciple, we, uh, we, we hope we work ourselves out of a job. That you no longer need me, that you are following Jesus and you are making other disciples who are following Jesus. Godly leaders always point people towards Jesus, not towards themselves. always. Point towards Jesus. Whenever Jesus was asked, What does it take to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it take to get to to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus said different things depending on who he was talking to, but he always ended with the same two words Follow me. Follow me. Now you have to understand this that when you are following Jesus, you do different things than if you were following yourself but that's because you're following Jesus. You are following Jesus. He is taking the lead. Jesus doesn't follow you. Jesus doesn't like follow you around and say, "Oh, great, you did this, so now I'm going to be with you." And he's waiting for you to do things. No, no, no. You follow Jesus. That is what we are to do. We are to follow Jesus. He doesn't come along our side because we did something really good that we think is really good or or we said something special. That's not how it works. And as we follow Jesus, as we become witnesses, we often become very, very, very concerned with how others will respond to us following Jesus. We become very concerned on what they will say about us when we say we love Jesus. And this weighs on our hearts. It tugs on our emotions. Sometimes we have just knock down, drag out fights with the flesh because we are uncomfortable doing what Jesus told us to do. I can still remember about 15 years ago as I was driving to lunch to meet with an old friend. Hadn't seen him in a couple years, and he called and said, hey, I'm in town. How would you like to go to lunch? And I said, man, I'd love to go to lunch with you. And as I was driving there, the spirit said, hey, you need to have another Jesus talk with him. I said, no. God, I I don't want to. First of all, I've already shared the gospel with him, and guess what happened when I did that? He made fun of me right? He made a lot of fun of me, and I'm not willing to do that again. I've already shared the gospel with him. It's in your court, Jesus. I don't want to do it again, right? And so we fought, and it was an hour drive as I was driving there. Man, it was torture. It was miserable, and the whole time there, I was thinking, yeah, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I'm gonna do it, and I said, no, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I said, man, the guy's just gonna make fun of me again. He's he's done it for years. He's just gonna do it again. I am not gonna do it, That day and every day since, I have wondered how God would have used that time if I was obedient to him. How would God have used me if I would have had the courage to have another Jesus talk? Here's the truth. Is that many will respond negatively to us when we share the gospel, when we talk about Jesus. And I know that because the Bible tells me. The Bible says that is going to happen, that we will encounter hostility when we follow Jesus impactful gospel ministry involves continuing the patterns of Jesus' ministry, which involves his words and his deeds. I was just talking with Dustin earlier, and we said, oh yeah, people thought John the Baptist was crazy. People thought Jesus was crazy. They eventually had Jesus killed. And now we are to speak his words, and we are to mimic his deeds. We are to imitate Christ. And while the gospel ministry will anger some... Man, we know, especially if you know Jesus, you know the gospel has the power to change lives. Not only does it change others' lives, but it blesses those who are obedient to God, who follow that. And we are blessed as we walk in obedience with Jesus, even when it's uncomfortable. And today as we look at chapter 5, we're going to find that chapter 5 in Acts, it's helpful. Although few of us will probably ever face the persecution that these men did, And and just so you know, it's not just these men in the early church. We have brothers and sisters in Christ right now who are being killed, who are being imprisoned, who are being beaten, who are losing jobs, who are having families taken away simply because they profess the name of Jesus. And while there are few of us in this room that will experience that, none of us escape the oppression of the world to the gospel. None of us escape that. Now, there is a great difference between being whipped for your faith and having somebody roll their eyes because you're wearing a Jesus teacher. I understand that that that, that is different. But as we look at chapter 5, we will see how to deal with this. We'll see that this opposition to the gospel, it constantly fills us with anxiety and fear and uncertainty. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? Should I say anything at all? And I just told you about a time that I let my fear, that I let my faithfulness impact in a negative way, impact my obedience to following God. Man, it hurt. It sucked the joy out of my life. And to be honest with you, Satan has used that many times over and over and over again to make me question God's calling in my life, to make me question am I able to share the gospel, am I able to proclaim the name, am I ashamed of the gospel. And every time I say, no, I'll do it, Satan says, oh, yeah? Let me give you a date and time right now. I can think of a time where that did not work out for you. And church, I know that I am forgiven. And I know that God's grace has washed over me and has reconciled me to him. But I still haven't forgotten my failures. Do any of you have scars from times that you weren't so faithful? Scars that were painful. Scars that maybe they haven't healed yet. Maybe they're still there and the pain is still real. Sometimes we talk about the joy of the eternal life and walking with Christ. You're like, man, I just don't feel that right now. I don't know if that means anything to me. In today's passage, God has a message for his church. He is reminding us that we can find joy in him. Even when we are persecuted for his name, we will find joy when we are faithful. So go ahead and turn to chapter 17 of verse 5. Verse 5. We're going to pick up with the apostles sharing the gospel with everyone everywhere. God is working through them, and people are being healed, and hearts are being forever transformed as they are coming to know Jesus as their Savior. And thousands and thousands of people are being freed from the oppression of sin. And they're enjoying this newfound freedom and the grace of Jesus. So let's pick up in verse 17. It says, but the high priest rose up and all who were with them that is the party of the sadducees and filled with jealousy they arrested the apostles and they put them in the public prison but during the night an angel of the lord opened the prison doors and brought them out church don't miss the humor in this the sadducees didn't believe in angels So here we are, the Sadducees arrested the apostles and they put them in prison and God says, oh yeah, hey angels, we're going to go free our apostles, right? So during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to preach. And now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought but when the officers came they did not find them in the prison so they returned and reported we found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors but when we opened them we found no one inside and now when the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these words they were greatly perplexed about them wondering what uh, what this would come to and someone came and told them Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And then the captain with the officers, they went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in his name, yet here you were, uh, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. big part of section and we're just going to look at a few parts of it but we see in this passage we're introduced to two people two groups of people we're introduced to those that are hostile to the gospel they want to stop the gospel we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on them most of us that have tried to share the gospel or tried to witness to somebody we know exactly who those people are right we know exactly uh, we've had some experience with them and really we don't need to learn their uh, tactics at this time the second group ...are the witnesses. They're the apostles. And that's who I really want to look at this morning. That's why I want to spend some time on what we can learn from them. How can we find joy when facing real persecution or hurtful discrimination for the sake of the gospel? And in this passage we see something that is foundational for every witness. Something that will lead us to joy no matter what our situation is. When we look at this passage we see here that the witnesses faithfully obeyed God... It's not out of defiance for the law, but it's rather out of obedience for the Lord. That's why they ended up in prison. Peter and John, they they ended up in jail because they obeyed God, and they didn't stop preaching the gospel. God said, preach the gospel. They preached the gospel. I have to be honest right now. I really get a kick out of these guys that are walking around saying, We're being persecuted because the government's not letting us meet in church. I can't go to church. And they're yelling all this stuff. They didn't seem persecuted when they bought season tickets to go to the football game. Right? They were missing church for a long time. They, got, they were happy to be in, in LA because they got the Chargers and the, the Rams and they're sharing a the field and like, hey, I can buy season tickets. I don't have to go to church for like four months. Right? They didn't seem persecuted at that time. They didn't seem persecuted when they were missing going to church because they had their company tickets to go to Dodger games on Sunday. But now all of a sudden there's this big uproar of defiance to law. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when we are being obedient to the Lord. Peter and John they were in jail because they were obedient to the Lord and that led them to defying the law it's not vice versa we don't start being obedient to God because we're trying to be defiant to the government that's not how it works we're obedient to God and if that makes us defiant so be it but we start with being obedient to the Lord look what happened in verse 20 as they were in jail God sent an angel and he said go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. This language that is used here, this is strongly suggested. This was a command. This wasn't a do it if you feel like it, but this was a a command to exercise dogged steadfastness. Man, you are to go and to go. You are just to keep sharing the words of life. Keep sharing, keep sharing. And you're to go and go and go long after the energized bunny has quit. You are to go and share The Word of God. You are to obey. You are to be witnesses to the Word, to to Jesus' life. Pastor Tim told us that a witness we are to speak not only of what we have learned from Scripture, but we are also to speak of the witness in our own life. What have we seen Jesus do in our own lives? Right? This is called a testimony. We are to share our testimony. We are to speak the words of life. Listen to what John wrote in first John chapter one. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we look upon and have touched with our own hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim it to you, the eternal life, to you, the eternal life, which was the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. And listen to how they sum this up, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Church is a believer in Jesus. We have fellowship with Him, right? When we know Him, we have fellowship in our. Because of our fellowship, because we know Jesus, because He has changed our life, because Jesus has lives in us. We can share that. We can speak those words of life to other people. That is our testimony. And we are to find joy in sharing that with others. The witnessing power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to listen to this. The, the witnessing power of the Holy Spirit, it's released in our obedience. When we are obedient to Christ, we, can, we cannot have the power of the Holy Spirit if we're always saying No. We're always saying, no, God's saying, do this and do this and do this. We're like, no, 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 no. We don't have the Holy Spirit working in us. We don't have the power. We are not empowered by the, the Holy Spirit. In verse 32 where it says, obey him. This does not imply that the gift of the Spirit is a reward for obedience. Right? The gift of the Spirit can only come through faith. It can only be received by faith. But when we see this passage in verse 32, when we see this obey him, it's similar to the phrase that is sometimes uh, translated, be obedient to the faith, to walk in obedience in the faith. That as witnesses, we act in obedience to God's call and direction in our life. When we talk about faith, that means that we trust God that we seek his direction in our lives and we trust him. That's what the faith means. That's what it means when it says be o- obey him and be obedient in your faith is that we trust God. We know that God loves us. And if we know that God loves us, we know that what he's calling us to do. We know that the direction that he is giving us is the best thing for us even if we don't understand. And that's what faith is when we talk about faith. We are to obey God and trust him to take care of us. To transform us. To make us look more like Him. Often times when we're in the Christian faith, we think it's this fire and forget thing. This like, hey, all I have to do is uh, say a magic prayer. All I have to do is get baptized, right? And it's called fire and forget. We never think of it again. It's like this thing right here. You know, this is a, this is a toy. But it uh, replicates a disposable anti-tank missile. It's called fire and forget. I, I put it on my shoulder. It's been a long time. Right? I press these buttons, click, and then I throw it down and I run because I said anti-tank. This versus a tank, not good for you. Right? And then you run. I don't know what happens to that projectile. The projectile, once it leaves the barrel, it's gone. And so many times in our Christian faith, we're like, oh, I said the prayer. Oh, I got baptized. I'm done. I just gotta go do what I want. That's not what the Christian faith is. The Christian faith is more like a tow rocket. Look at that. I couldn't bring that in here. I would. Look at that thing, right? A tow rocket. This is a tow-launched, optically-tracked, wire-guided missile. You see that thing that he's looking through? Right When he moves that joystick left, it zigs. When he moves it right, it zags, up and down. And that guy is sitting behind there, and he's manipulating and giving directions because that wire is connected to him, and he's providing the guidance in life. And that's how we are to be with Jesus. Right? We are to be guided by Jesus. We are to seek his guidance. And when he tells us to go this way, we go this way. When he tells us to share, we share. When he tells us, turn off that show, we turn off that show. We are tied to Jesus right that is that is the Christian life and there's Jesus who is guiding us left and right there's Jesus who's guiding us and transforming us to be more like him right too many times we just we just come out of the rocket and say we're good we don't even know where we're going but with Jesus he's got a vision and Jesus will guide us to that mark which is Jesus which is him that is the Christian life that is what we are to do that Christian life is somebody who's continually being shaped by God as we strive to be more and more and more and more like Jesus. One of the major themes in the book of Hebrews is for believers to press on towards maturity, that we are to continue to grow, that we cannot mature unless we are following Jesus. We cannot mature unless we are being obedient, that we are faithfully acting in obedience to God. That is how we grow. That is how we grow in maturity. That is how we grow in likeness of Christ, by being obedient to God. And we see in this passage that as they were obeying God by speaking the words of life, the religious leaders are now even more upset. Because the night before, they they put them into prison. And now they wake up. And they're having their coffee and tea and said, Hey, those guys that we put in prison, go bring them to us. We want to talk to them. And before they put him in prison, they said, hey, here's the deal. No more talking about this Jesus guy. Shut your traps. Get out of town. Don't talk about it here. You are not allowed to talk about Jesus anymore. So they're drinking their coffee or tea or whatever they're they're drinking in the morning. They're having a talk and said, hey, bring those guys to us out of jail. Guess what? They're not in jail. Guess what? They're in the temple talking about Jesus. Right? The very thing they were told not to do. And these religious leaders are not happy right now. So we're going to pick up and see what happens here in verse 33. We're going to begin reading there. And I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. And it says, when they heard this, and we're talking about the religious leaders, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to the men of Israel, take care of what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this uh, undertaking is not of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them. They got one last final shot in there. And then they charged them with not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. And so now when we look at these two people, we see that this group of people, those people that were hostile, now became just avoiders. Let's just avoid. Let's just ignore them, and they will, they will go away. Right? We don't need to shut them up. They will shut themselves up themselves. They will get tired of this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to phase out. This will be the end of the story. This was 2,000 years ago. The good news is, is we're still hearing the name of Jesus today. The bad news is, is we're seeing this same tactic being used by Satan today. Right? Us as believers, we have said, hey, you know what? I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Us as believers, we're saying, I am not going to share the gospel with anybody. I'm just going to keep my mouth closed. And I love it when I'm talking with people and I'm sharing stories with them and somebody might come up to me and say, you know what, I just found out today. I was like, no, I don't know what you just found out. And they said, I found out that my friend or my coworker, somebody I've known for years, I found out they're a follower of Jesus. I found out that they love Jesus. I can't believe in all these years they never told me. And I said, well, have you ever told them that you're, oh, no, I can't do that. No, 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 that's not for me. Who knows, they might not like it or they might make fun of me. Like when was the last time that you shared the gospel with somebody? When was the last time you sat down and said, i got to tell you about Jesus, somebody who changed my life? Witnesses that are empowered by the Spirit faithfully share the gospel. It is not significant that the first group name above named among those who will go to hell, in, Ro- in Revelations we see this, the first group is the cowardly, people who knew the truth but were afraid to speak the truth. And this verse has personal meaning to me. Because unlike a lot of other pastors, they have all these inspirational passages of Scripture, these things of encouragement about being strong. This is why I went into ministry. This was my call to ministry. This verse was burned on my head. This verse, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexual immoral, the sorcerers, the adulterers, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. And this verse was burned on my head for a long time. And I kept going through it. And I didn't even share it actually with my wife because I didn't know what this meant. And every time I'd exercise, every time I went out for a run, this verse would come to my head. I'm like, God, I don't do this stuff. And I was looking through this stuff. I'm not a coward. I'm in the Marine Corps. I got a Harley Davidson, man. I, I'm not a coward. I play rugby. And I'm thinking of all these things. And I'm going through faithless. Oh, no, I love you. And I, I haven't killed anybody. And I'm just going through this list. Like, God, why are you doing this to me? And God brought it back saying, you're a coward. Because I've called you into ministry, and you're giving me all these excuses why you won't do it. You are a coward. I said, God, you don't want me to do this. You don't, I can't do this. I'm too scared right, to go into the ministry. I have no problem going overseas. I have no problem being in combat. I have no problem with that. But you want me to share the gospel with people? I ain't doing it. Like I can't do it. Somebody else can do it. As a matter of fact... I didn't want to do it so bad that when I did end up giving in and going to seminary, I took zero preaching classes because there was no way I was going to get up in front of people and share the gospel. It wasn't going to happen. That plan did not work. I am here uh, preaching the gospel a lot of Sundays every year in front of lots of people, nothing I would have planned um, 10 years ago. Matter of fact, I see Joe over there. I remember during the interview process, Joe said, what are you going to be doing? What's your plan for 10 years from now? And I said, I I don't know what it is from 10, 10 years from now. I know 10 years ago I was never going to be standing here. Right? But here's the truth, guys. That the word that is used for preach, when you translate it, it's the word that gives, it's the word that we, gives us the English word evangelism. Right? It's not preaching, it's evangelism. It simply means to share the good news of Jesus Christ. The joke's on you guys. As witnesses, you're all preachers. Right? You are all commissioned to share the good news of Christ. All of us. As Christians, all of us as disciples, all of us of witnesses, we are to share the gospel of Jesus and to proclaim his rule and reign over everything to everyone everywhere. That is what we are to do as witnesses. We are to tell the world that Jesus has come for us, that Jesus lived for us, that Jesus died for us, that Jesus was raised from the dead for us, and will return again to reconcile all things to himself. And those who follow him will live in his presence forever eternity forever and those who don't follow him won't right scripture talks about there's actually a place they're going to go to called hell for those who don't follow for those who don't walk with jesus they're going to go to a place called hell jesus has invited us to follow him And he is the only entrance to the presence and to the glory of God is through Jesus to follow him. So you better start walking. Right? We put Jesus out in front of us and we just walk and we just follow him. And when we look at this passage, we see Peter and the apostles. They took advantage of every opportunity to share that gospel. To share the good news of Jesus. If you look at that passage, we see we have Acts uh, 5.42 on the screen. Every day they shared the gospel daily. They shared it in word and in deed and every opportunity that they could find they shared the gospel. One pastor said this, if we would only look for opportunities to share the gospel, we would never run out of opportunities. If we would just look for opportunities to share the gospel, we would never run out of opportunities. We see that the apostles, they shared the gospel in every home. The early church did not save conversations about Jesus for a single building. They did not say, hey, we're only going to talk about this when we go to this building in the middle of town or this temple. The church, which is the people, they talked about Jesus everywhere. And guess what? They didn't wait for people to come to them. They went to people, and they brought Jesus into every house, and they shared Jesus over meals, over tea. They shared Jesus in fellowship with one another. They shared Jesus in every house. They shared the gospel in every house. They shared the gospel without ceasing. They just kept going on and on and on until they ran out of opportunities. Guess what? They never, ever ran out of opportunities. Look at at Paul's example. This is funny. They would beat him and throw him out of town. And as he was coming back in, he would share the gospel with the guys standing at the gate. They would beat Paul and throw him in jail, and guess what? He's like, oh, great, I can share the gospel with the guards. They would handcuff him to a Roman soldier, and he would have to follow him around, and Paul's like, oh, great, i got to go share with this guy's family over dinner. Paul shared the gospel every chance he got. And the message that they shared was Jesus-centered. It was all about who Jesus is. The apostles were consumed with Jesus. Their life was consumed with them. Paul said this, For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. The message they were preaching was not about them, it was not about their authority, it was not a, about their power. The message that they preached was about Jesus and his power. And all power that they had came through the Spirit, came through God. When the Lord gives you the opportunity to bear witness take them, right? When they are made ready to you, take them and make the best use of your time. Listen to Paul's request for, a prayer request for him. Oftentimes when we're in small groups, we say, hey, anybody have any prayer requests? Well, here's Paul's small groups as he's sitting in jail. He writes them a letter. and He says, oh, I do have a prayer request for you. Pray for me. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak, walk in wisdom towards outsiders and making the best use of the time. What a beautiful prayer for a witness. Right, Lord, give me me the opportunities to share the gospel. And when that time comes, make my speech clear so they would understand the mysteries of the gospel, so they would come to know you the great pastor D.L. Moody said this, the more we use the means and opportunities we have, the more our ability and our opportunities be increased. And so many times you say, well, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say. I don't know how to share the gospel. The gospel, oh, have you tried? What's the best ways to do it? I remember when I joined the Marines, I said, I, mean, I can't do any pull-ups. And they said, good, go do some. And keep doing them until you know how to do it. I remember when I was playing a sport, I was playing a sport I never had heard of before. I had heard of it. It was rugby, and I didn't know anything about it, and I just went out to the field one day, and I said, I don't know how to play this. They said, good, here's a ball. Now do this over and over and over again until you learn how to do it. Figure out how to do this. It's just like when we play football. We spend hours and hours learning how to tackle properly. Right? The more that we do it, the better that we will get at it. And church, when we are faithfully obeying Christ... And we are faithfully proclaiming the gospel and spreading the gospel, the scriptures promise us that we will faithfully rejoice in the glory of Jesus forever. Ministry done by the power of the Spirit and focused on the gospel brings this immense amount of joy to the life of the one doing ministry. And we are focused on the work, the mission that we were called to do to make Jesus' name known to everyone, everywhere. We are doing that mission and we are empowered, empowered by the the Holy Spirit, we find joy in our lives. And if you don't believe me, look at the witnesses who came before us. Look at the witnesses who met persecution of all types, and they found joy. They found joy by looking at Jesus' example. If we go to Hebrews, Scripture tells us this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... And just before this, it was talking about the persecution of the believers before us. It was talking about the persecution of the prophets. As we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Church, there is Christian suffering is tied to the dissemination of the gospel. And when suffering is for the gospel proclamation, when there is suffering because we are spreading the gospel, when there is suffering because we are on mission for and with Jesus, witnesses of the gospel experience great joy. Witnesses of the gospel experience immeasurable joy. I love my community group. I love time with my small group. I love sitting there and studying scripture. I love studying books. I love sitting in fellowship. But by far, the best time with my small group is when we are sitting there and we're talking about our experiences of sharing the gospel. When we sit there, and I'm going to be really, really honest with you. and Some of you are in here right now, and I apologize. I won't say any names. But some of the things don't go well at all. Right, we are sharing where we jacked it up really, really good, and we did everything to screw it up, but despite our weaknesses, God took something ugly and made it beautiful. And I love sitting there and that happens. Right, there are times now that we are sharing stories, and guess what? We don't know what God's going to do with it. We don't know how God's perfection is working out in a situation, but there may be a situation and it hasn't been resolved. We don't know. Right, and we sit there and we pray about it. Those are my favorite times. Man, there is joy when we are sharing our gospel proclamation. when We are sharing our times and sharing words of life with people. when We are sharing our testimony with people. When we are sitting there and, and we say, I didn't know what to do. And somehow God opened up a door. Our dad worked in our lives. And it is just encouragement and joy just fills the room. And we, we have leaders in our small group. And I'm not the leader of it, but we have leaders in our small group that are so wise to understand that. And there are times that they have worked so tirelessly to prepare a lesson, but somebody starts speaking and joy starts filling the room of what God is doing. And guess what? We sit there and experience the joy as a small group. I want you to remember uh, or earlier at this, I told you about my friend, the one that I failed to talk with Jesus about. And a few years later, I attended his retirement. He retired and he invited me to go. And we went to lunch. And as we were talking, I learned that he graduated from a Christian college. And I remember looking at him like, this guy who used to make fun of me, he used to call me like, oh, Christian soldier. And anytime something went wrong, you're like, hey, why don't you go in your office and pray about it, see what happens? And just super derogatory about everything, right? Was now seeking Jesus. And we had this great conversation about Jesus. My heart was filled, and I had so much, I was just like exploding with joy as we were talking. And towards the end, I just looked at him, and I said, man, what happened? Like, how, how, how did you come to know Jesus? And he said, well, there was this guy at work. And as much as I made fun of him, he kept telling me about Jesus. He kept talking to me about Jesus. He started answering my questions. And I remember as I was getting in my car and I was leaving, I was like, God, I could have done that. And he's like, yeah, you're right, you could have, but you were disobedient. Right? And I'm like, What? Right, I worked with them, I had a great relationship with them. man, we always had fun. I could have been the one, and God 's well you're right. <laughs> you 're right. Know, you 're right. And I missed out on that joy, and god 's like, man you didn 't trust me, you didn 't obey me. you didn 't make good use of your time and share the gospel. And in that faithfulness, faithlessness, I missed being able to rejoice in the glory of God for that moment. I miss being able to rejoice in the glory of Jesus for that time and in this man's life. Man, Church, don't miss out on the joy of following Jesus. Never let that opportunity pass you by. Don't miss out on the joy of following Jesus. Don't miss out on the joy of trusting Jesus. Don't miss out on the joy of being obedient to Jesus. Don't miss out on the joy of sharing the good news with somebody and seeing their hearts changed. Who do you need to speak words of life to Today. Who is God putting on your heart that maybe you're thinking, I can't do that. Maybe you're not obeying God's call in your life. Who do you need to speak words of life to? Today. Today, not next week, not tomorrow, not later this week. Today, rejoice as you share the life of Jesus with somebody. As you share the the word of life for today is Jesus. Jesus. It's who he is. It's his life. It's what he taught. Who do you need to share that with today? Church, when was the last time you shared the good news of Jesus with somebody? When was the last time that you rejoiced in suffering because you were taking part in the dissemination of the gospel? Maybe you shared the gospel with somebody you knew was going to be antagonistic, so you cut it short. You're like, I like Jesus, and you walk away. (laughs) You're like, I like Jesus, but that's my business, not yours. Right? And then you walk to the car and you're like, God, I tried. I don't know what happened. I did my best. When was the last time that you shared the gospel of Jesus? When was the last time you, re- you rejoiced in the suffering? This week, make good use of your time and faithfully share the gospel with somebody. Right? There's endless opportunities if we just look for them. Nobody has ever come to me and said, hey, pastor, I don't have any opportunities to share the gospel. Because the truth is, when we start looking, there are more opportunities than we know what to do with. There are more, and then if they come to me, they know that I'm going to hold them accountable, so they don't do that. But when was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? This week, make good use of your time and share the gospel with someone. It could be somebody in your family. It could be somebody at work. It could be a friend. Restaurants are open now. Guess what? It could be somebody at the restaurant. It could be a waiter. Share the gospel and rejoice in the glory of God. Church, our joy is found when we obey God and proclaim the good news of Christ faithfully. That is when we find joy, when we're obedient to God and when we're proclaiming the good news of Jesus. No matter what we're facing, no matter what situations we are, no matter what they say, Scripture tells us that we find joy when we are faithful. When we are faithful in obedience and we are faithful in sharing the good news of Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we just... Thank you this morning as we look at Scripture and we see examples of people facing real persecution. They weren't facing hurt feelings. They weren't facing emotional stress. They were facing life and death situations and they found joy in proclaiming your name. They found joy in being obedient to you. Lord, we would just pray that as we open up our Scriptures, as we search our hearts, as we become followers of you, that we would have the courage to be obedient. We pray, Lord, that you would give us words to speak, and even if they make no sense to us, you would use them to grab hearts and to transform lives. Lord, we pray that we would find joy in our persecution for your name, that we know this all is temporary. This is all, every, everything is this temporary, and you are forever. You are eternal. Lord, we just pray that we would get to just find that joy when we stand in your glory and share the name of Jesus with somebody. When we turn the light on in a dark place, whether it's our family, whether it's our work, whether it's our neighborhood, that we would be able to sense the joy of knowing and walking with you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in the name of Jesus that we ask all of these things. Amen. Amen. Church, we love you. We'll see you next week as we continue to uh, look at being a witness through the book of Acts. We'll see you next week. Love you, church. Bye.